It's time for Tim. The Tim Weisberg Show on 1420 WBSM and streaming live on WBSM.com and the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message through the WBSM app. And now, WBSM's big gun, Tim Weisberg. And welcome back in. Third and final hour here on Wednesday. That means it is time for Midweek with the Mayor. New Bedford Mayor John Mitchell is here with us. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing all right. All right. How are you doing, Tim? Doing okay. Excellent. It's, uh, we were saying that the, the weather is warming up. It's going to be 80 degrees tomorrow. Summer's coming too soon. I'm going to the beach, definitely. Do you, now, do you just hang out on the beach or do you go in the water and swim? When I go to the beach, I, I'll go in for a little bit. I don't hang in the water too much. Um, and I am just kidding, by the way. That I'm gonna go to the no, I'm tomorrow, holding you to it. I'm right? expecting to see you on your social media. <laughs> there I am. Mayor well, swims for the first time this beach, season. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah, I usually, personally, I, if I go to the beach, i got to go in the water just for a little bit. I'm not yeah, a saltwater guy. Otherwise, yeah. you know, it's just sand. That's true. Yeah. I, uh, I'm not a saltwater guy. I, I don't I don't like every once in a while now and then, but I like pools and ponds and fresh water. Okay. That's just me. Duly noted. Good. Uh, so it's 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 why <laughs> we're sharing all this. <laughs> it's uh it's it's been a week where and you know, I don't I don't want to have to start talking about um negative things right out of the gate here, but there were a couple more fires last weekend. We've been talking about people practicing fire safety. It seems like these particular cases, again, there was a kitchen fire that seemed to have been a cooking incident. Yep. Uh, but again, the alarm system worked, so that helped get everybody out there in time. Uh, but there de- there definitely seems to be something happening here with, with people maybe needing to be a little bit more careful when they're cooking. Yeah, so it's hard to, to, to detect a pattern, right? Um, and we've had these fires, we've had bad fires, um, you know, and our fire department's done a really good job, not only in responding, but they've done a good job in uh, inspecting places. So, you know, there's been some um, conflicting re- reporting in the last week concerning the fire on a Cushioned Avenue at the large apartment building that, that burnt down and about whether there had been a follow-up by the fire department um, to what, in effect, was a, a, a tip last summer, um, a, an email, an, an anonymous email that came in and cited a number of issues. And I can I can tell you that those were all followed, promptly followed up on by the fire department. That's been – so there have been some media outlets who've reported that fact, the follow-up and, and the corrections that took place. There are others that have glossed over it. And so I think that's – left some um, misimpressions in the public's mind. Um, you know, we do have, uh, we, we've had a couple of other things to note. The fire department has, has been beefing up its inspections over the last few years. And we've seen, and we think it's a result in part at least of the beefed up inspections, we've seen an actual decline in the number, overall number of structure fires. It, it may not seem that way just given that, you know, they, when there is one, they make the news, and especially if there's a fatality. Um, but um, you know, there's always you know room for improvement, more, or room for more inspections and such. But at the end of the day, um, it's really important that, uh, that people take this stuff seriously. Uh, it's and we talked about it last week on on the show about and it's, it 
you know, for, forgive me, but I do think it bears repeating. Our, our fire department works very hard at educating the public, especially school children, on the dangers of fire. But um, we can it, it all bears emphasizing that uh, fires spread really quickly, and they can spread through, in fact, no fault of one's own. If somebody in one apartment is not being careful, then uh, it, it, fires can, can 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 quickly spread. Like in the case of the the fire on a cushion and Avenue, the big large the um, apartment building that burnt down last week, or I guess the week before last, um, we had there somebody who started cooking and then fell asleep, um, and then was awakened by somebody who came in and said the place is on fire. They, this is all according to the fire marshal, they left the apartment and they left the, the apartment door open, which creates, allows for air exchange, allows air to come in to feed the fire and allows air to get out and to create an, what in effect is a chimney. And had they not done that, it's likely that that fire could have been knocked down faster. Uh, but that essentially accelerated the fire and made it very difficult, obviously difficult for everybody to get out. So, um, there's there's lots of stuff, and we just have to continue to um, we, we've invested more in fire education. It, we, honestly, that's that's at the end of the day, the fire department can do all the inspections it can, but you know, people do have to have to continue to to you know to and people, presidents and landlords alike really have to stay on top of these things. I, I talked to someone off air who is a a fire inspector who works you know in, independent. Uh, who works with the fire department, uh, and he told me that there there is a backlog of being able to get some of these inspections done still from the pandemic, and that Chief Kruger inherited a backlog from the previous fire chief. Uh, is that true? Have have they been trying to play catch up with some of these inspections? Uh, I think in general, yes. So some so it was very difficult during the pandemic to get into houses for any purpose, right? As 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 we know. And that, that affected our ability to do things like replace lead service lines to get into houses and, and, and do fire inspections in particular. Early in the pandemic, it thwarted emergency medical assistance. So they've been playing, they have been playing catch up, but I think they've been making, making headway. As I said, that we've seen, we've seen a decline in structure fires over the last few years. Uh, do we need more inspections? I, I think so. We've started to talk to, um, the fire departments, including the, the union, about how we might be able to free up more manpower to make that 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 happen. But overall, I think the fire departments really uh, understands the, the need for prevention. And you know, at the end of the day, you know, they, is, they they can they can be and they are very, and they are very good at suppression, right? Responding to fires and putting them out. They are, the Medford Fire Department excels at that, but every single firefighter would tell you they prefer not even to have to suppress a single fire. We really do need to prevent more and we're committed to that. Uh, my my father-in-law was a firefighter. He said the best nights are the nights that you get a good night's sleep. Yeah. Because that meant you didn't have to go out there and, and yeah, fight exactly. any fires. Yeah. Uh, so I have a call here. Let's see if yep. uh, we can just see what this is about so that... Um, 508-996-0500. If you have a question for Mayor Mitchell, good morning. You are on WBSM with Mayor Mitchell. Hello. Hi, guys. Um, Mayor Mitchell, I got a couple of questions for you. Now, on the fire, I heard on uh, Marcus's show, a man came on, and he said that that building was sold for a dollar, and they did that to get around the codes. Is that true? 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I've heard that allegation, and it's not obvious to me that that was the case. There, so I, I don't want to speculate about why, about the motivation. The reality was that they had, um, they had the fire department as well as other city departments had been in there and doing inspections. Hold on, let him let him answer the question, Johnny. Hold on, so. Um, they'd been they'd been in there, and the owners had pulled the permit to um, put sprinklers in, and had the permit in hand um, not long before the, the fire hit. So um, they 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 were they were moving this stuff along. Now, could they have done more? The the um, the, the landlord maybe I, I don't, but I don't think people. There could be a lot of reasons why. Uh, an apartment building sold for a nominal amount from one limited liability corporation to another it may have to do with tax reasons. And so I, I, I don't want people shouldn't speculate that they're trying okay, to. Okay. Um, one other, a couple of other quick questions on the, um, we're talking so, about. Can, the- can I just, hold on, Shani, just please let me finish my sentence. So what I was about to say is I don't think people should speculate about, um, why uh, the, the billing was transferred. If there's a finding of, of some fraud there, it certainly I would insist that the public know about it. Uh, but but I just you know, let's let's not try to spread rumors. And hang on, hang on, Shawnee. Hang on, Shawnee. Hang, anyway, um, hang on, Shani, and I have a follow up question to that. So would wouldn't any transfer of ownership require inspections to come in and happen as a, as a part of that sale? It, it, okay, it, 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 it they do when there's a bank involved. Because okay. the bank will insist on that. If there's, there isn't a bank involved, there isn't a rule that requires it. All okay, right, Johnny, and your other question. A couple of other questions on the beach. Uh, you said on the radio um, last year that they you had a, a lot of money for the to fix the beach houses down the South End Beach. On on West Beach. Right, and you said it was going to start in the winter, and nothing's been done on that. What's what's the status on that? Yeah, there was, we, we hit some delays on that. It's going to start after the season, so in September. And one other thing before I hang up, uh, I'm very upset about the cleaning of the streets. You don't come in the West End. They're filthy. They, the, the street sweeper needs to come here. We pay taxes also, so I'm putting in a request for Chestnut Street, Cottage Street, and all in that area. And third of all, Cottage well, Street, you told me was going to be done. The street is a mess. Well, some of it, some of it was repaired. No, no, Co- no, not Co- up near Mount Cot- Pleasant. Okay, so so up up near Mount Pleasant. So we were in, so. It, it hasn't gone that far yet. It's a lot. The, the worst well, part. We've been waiting what, years now. It's got to get done. Can, 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 can you can I, you I, let I, him answer, Johnny? Oh. If you, if you can't let him answer, I'm going to have to hang up the phone. Well, let's get to the point here. All right, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna hang up on you, Johnny, and you can listen to the response. Yeah. So so a, a long stretch of Cottage Street was just done a couple of years ago. Is the entirety of Cottage Street done now? Is it on the the, the list, yeah, it's on the list, and understands again. You've covered a lot of topics here, and so um, we, we DPI prioritizes streets based on a formula, not about who's calling in and insisting that their street is hasn't been done in a while. They do it based on their own objective assessment of the condition of the street, how heavily it's traveled. Um, how much work actually needs to be done, what that's going to cost, all those things. And so 
in light of that, you know, a, there was a long stretch of Cottage Street, more or less from, I don't know, like around Merrimack, going south all the way to around Smith Street, thereabouts, that was totally reconstructed a couple of years ago at considerable expense to the city, but it needed it. And it looks a lot better now. Now, um, the rest of Cottage Street, yeah, there's there are other parts of Cottage Street, though not all of it, that do need attention, but those segments of Cottage Street, again, which is among the longest streets in the city, not the longest nearly, but certainly one of the longer ones, um, that uh, are prioritized for the out years. So we just it's a it's a triaging exercise that we have to um, have to get to. As far as street sweeping goes, um, they they just started doing it. They don't do it, and the street sweeping isn't done in the winter time. So there may be some streets that have some. Uh, some need for sweeping, but they they just started in on it. I think it was like two weeks ago. So uh, that that's and and as far as the West End, there are street sweeping that is done in parts of the West End more frequently uh, than other parts of the West End. We try to prioritize the main streets uh, across the city. So that's why you go around and you see the sounds of st- for street sweeping. We do that. Um, we don't do uh, we don't have for every street in the city a requirement that cars be moved uh, for the street sweepers before they, they come in. It's only in those areas where there are signs. If if people in the city want to see that happen, I think that's the discussion we could have. In other words, that uh, we'd have to bear the expense of more street sweepers. We'd have to, and, and the staff to, to, to man them, we just put in as this uh, like the radio station reported recently we just put in um funding for yet another street sweeper so that we we're adding to the fleet but at the end of the at the end of the day uh we, we, we try to focus on the main streets for that purpose in part because of the um you know the requirement that to do it right you got to move cars and if if you do that it's, it's really hard to to pull it off citywide Right, and then you're you're having to tow people out of the way to get it done, and people right. get upset. And right. All right. Well, why don't we take our first break of the hour? If you have any questions for Mayor Mitchell, and you're willing to let him answer the questions, sorry, Shawnee, I didn't want to have to hang up on you. You know, I love you, but you just you, you had to let the man answer the questions. Uh, but five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. We'll be back in a few moments. Welcome back in. We are talking with New Bedford Mayor John Mitchell. It is midweek with the mayor, and phone lines are open at five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. We talked about the fire. Um, the, the, the Royal Crown Rooming House fire, but of course, uh, there's been some, uh, some increased funding for both police and fire. Right. So we, every year the city has, uh, every year the state certifies what's called a municipality's free cash, which is basically just the surplus from the previous year's budget. So we're using our free cash, um, uh, balance to, to do a couple of things. First, we have policies in place that say that 25% of it has to go into the city stabilization fund. 10% has to go into um, retiree health care. Uh, so we do that. So that's that's a good financial practice. And the rating agencies that rate our bonds uh, uh, and every other city's bonds strongly encourage us to do those things. So we've always been faithful in, in putting that money aside. So in other words, putting the money aside for a rainy day, about 35% of it. And then the rest of it we've used for uh, – we, we had to replace some money 
in the stabilization fund for uh, that we had used to settle police and fire contracts. So with the funding that we had left, we wanted to make a priority uh, for uh, uh, for public safety. So we're doing two two the two largest components of the free cash were uh, to to go to fire and police. With with, res- with respect to the fire department, there were a couple of uh, renovation projects that we wanted to finish up. One of the downtown fire station, station two, and then the one in the far north end, station five, uh, to finish up some projects that we had there. So that'll be good to square those facilities away. And then separately from that, you know, we're buying police cruisers, we're buying tablets for police officers, and that's, that's a, another big chunk of the overall fund. So I think that'll, it's, it, we're, the police department, I mean, we've had, obviously we've had staffing um, challenges in the police department, like lots of other urban police departments in the United States, but um, that and that remains a, a challenge. And of course, you know that we offered a signing bonus, and we're doing other things to to try to to deal with that. But in the meantime, we have been we have made a lot of progress in um, acquiring equipment for police officers, ranging from tasers to firearms to tablets to cameras to cruisers um it runs runs the gamut so we're they're, we're in very good shape from that standpoint we just we need more officers uh in the long run the other thing we've done with free cash or a couple of other things we want to update our emergency response plans um you know we've we've been knock on wood we've been lucky with storms uh in particular over the last few years we want to just make sure that we we have our, our plans are up to date so that's going to We'll bring in a consultant to help with that. And then, as I just mentioned a moment ago, we are uh, we want to buy another street sweeper. You, do you know how much a new brand new street sweeper costs? I couldn't you guess. You drive one, and you're right in style in one of these I'm, things. I'm going to guess it's a couple hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, so you, yeah, it's about three hundred thousand. Yeah. Well, I mean, I wouldn't let me drive it if it you know, costs that may, much. At some point, the city may have to surplus one of them. So when we surplus something that large, we'll put it off to auction and maybe you we can, could use it here you could you could bid on it right or you could just you know you could drive around your neighborhood with, with it. you've got banging cars the left and right stuff. you know yeah the wheel is on the on the right side and you can it's it's pretty cool the wheels so is that because they have to go to the curb yeah. is that why yeah, yeah that makes sense same yeah. i mean same thing with um postal vehicles yes yeah. that's, that's why they do it so yeah. uh, i will have to ask i mean the question comes up all the time uh, about police body cameras, you know, you mentioned cameras. That is something, from my understanding, that is something that, if once it's agreed upon and everybody wants to do it, there is money there to be able to do that. I, I think that we're going to be able to buy the equipment. Um, the trick now is uh, it has to be negotiated with the union, and we've been in talks with uh, the union for a while, and that's uh, I can say that that's something that's that's been on the table. Is it? I mean, obviously, you can't talk about negotiations, but it seems like the officers that I've heard from are in favor of it. It does seem to be a favorable practice for them. It it, it does, yeah. It's it sounds like it. So you know, hopefully, we can uh, agree with their union um, to uh, to move forward with it. And uh, I wanted to ask you too. This this question came up this week. Uh, it, it all kind of related from a Jack Spillane column, mm-hmm. but there is now apparently a citizen movement to gather enough signatures to put a question. I know, imagine that, right? Gathering signatures to put a question on the ballot uh, about term limits for both the city council and the mayor. Uh, do you have any stance on on that about whether or not there should be term limits for those positions if the if the voters want to see it? it, it, it 
it could it would be certainly something I would take a serious um, look at. Uh, it's got to be set the right way. So I, I don't – there are cities that have term limits in place for both. Uh, there's some cities that have term limits just for mayor. There's some cities that, and and the, the length of those limits varies by city. And so, um, you know, I'd be certainly happy to entertain it. I, I think for most cities, most cities don't have term limits uh, at all. The ones that do, at least for mayor, I think most are eight years, but there are a number that are 12 years. Uh, so. Uh, I'd be happy to, to to take a look at it. It's not, you know, um, the the devil's in the details with those things. But I have not. Nobody's approached me with with the idea. And I think as somebody who has been in office for longer than some of these term limits would go, you know, you kind of do have a, a unique perspective on it about what what things can be done and in, in not having term limits, not having to be um, limited to how many yeah, I think years in you can general, be there. Um, I think the eight-year term limit for mayor is hard to de- hard to justify because I see it around the country. You have mayors who are in their second term all, all of a sudden lame ducks. I think there are a lot of things that if the mayor is successful in moving an agenda along, um, things aren't – and I think this has been true from what I've seen. I think it's true of our experience. I think it's true of a lot of other places. Like at the eight-year mark, it's still – if you're really trying to move some big items along, right, some big reform along, it's it's eight is it's probably not not enough. Um, again, it varies by, by it can vary by city, um, but I think you know. Look, if someone has an idea, then I'll certainly be willing to to entertain it. So Dick Van Patten lied to us. Eight is not enough. Dick, uh, you know, I hate to be crosswise with. Uh, Dick Van Patten. It was, I, I had uh, to go. Uh, I had to go deep on that. Reference. That was well done. All right, let's uh, take a phone call here. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. If you have a question for Mayor Mitchell, good morning. You were on the air. Oh well, that was an oh, easy that's one. That's a good question. Yeah, that was an easy one. I hate when people just call up and I th- yell. At you me know, I think it was the Dick Van Patten reference that turned that caller off. <laughs> Click. <laughs> like this. This is, is bad. Caller said, "Is this what the show's come to?" This is bad. All right. Well, why don't we why don't we move on then to another topic? Uh, there's going to be. Uh, tomorrow, um, from my understanding, um, uh, Bill Keating is coming to town, and we're going to be talking about uh, some of the stuff that's going on with housing, some of these, um, uh, you know, plans that are in well, place. Been, to, we're just doing that with the today with the regional administrator. Oh, that's um, t- today's Wednesday, right? Today's Wednesday. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I was so busy watching Eight Is Enough reruns last night, I forgot <laughs> what day it is. It threw you off. Polly has no idea what I'm talking about either. By the way, she's like, "What is what is oh, Eight Is Enough?" No. no. Yeah, we're dating ourselves here, Tim. Yeah, so, yeah, we, we had the regional administrator whose name is Juana Matias. She used to be a state rep in Massachusetts. She's the regional administrator for HUD. And um, we had a good meeting today. The meeting's still going on um, now. There's a tour with her um, right now looking at some of our developments and some of the federal federally funded developments in the city. We have... Uh, you know, we work very closely with with HUD on, on a, a number of programs related to community development block grants, which are used for a whole bunch of different purposes: some for infrastructure, some for homelessness, some for um, economic development. Right. So there's there's that. They also administer the Home Program H O M E, which uh, is a, a program that's used for a few different purposes, but primarily for 
to to help with uh, help fund new housing construction or housing re- rehabilitation, and then there's the ESG grants, which is the emergency shelter grants. Uh, that's a program that helps folks prevent to help, basically catches people before they become homeless. So um, you know, the federal government, I, I just say this: I think it used to be with these funding programs, I just made these remarks just a moment ago, it's worth sharing more broadly, but, you know, we're seeing now more federal involvement in cities across the country with all the the, fun, the ARPA funding and some of the other funding streams that have been uh, put into place in the last few years, and we're seeing really good projects come online, and it reminds us that, you know, at the municipal, people at the municipal level have the best sense of where the best investments are. We're the ones who are closest to the action as opposed to the federal government, but we don't have the resources that the federal government has. And so there's a careful balance to be struck, one that has to ensure account, uh, an accountable use of, of federal funds for local purposes. But when it's done the right way, a lot of good can come about. We had the best example, and it's worth um, it's worth retelling because you know, we've talked about this in the past, but when the CDBG program was first enacted under President Ford, um, it was just after he came into into office, um, cities started getting a fair amount of money. And then by 1976 here in New Bedford, New Bedford received some $13 million in uh, CDBG funds, which was, in, so 1976, that's a lot of that's that. A lot, yeah. Right? It's kind of like ARPA is, is now. And so at the time, Mayor Markey was approached by a couple of different groups, some historic preservation groups as well as housing folks and who's, you know, how in the case of the housing folks, uh, people were saying, you know, you've got to put the money into, you know, various programs. And I think he recognized that, you know, that funding was only going to come in once and they should do something more lasting with it. And so, you know, over the objections of a lot of folks in the city, he, he decided to invest it in the construction of the cobblestone streets in the historic district. And that's really when it came about. It came about over a number of years, but that was, it really, um, it really uh, was fully developed under his administration using those federal funds. And, you know, what that's resulted in is, um, you know, more tourists, more economic development over the last almost 50 years now. Um, it's the most photographed, area of New Bedford by far and it's one that um, I think has brought a lot of folks to downtown and strengthened and has strengthened the downtown and it was I don't think there's any controversy anymore it was a wise decision so it's a way of saying well a number of things but what the least of which is that sometimes cities have, are staring at a lot of good ideas but don't have the funds to do it and, when, and so the there is a role, I think, for the federal government to play in providing those resources, assuming that all the accountability mechanisms are in place. Because, you know, if you entrust cities to spend the money the right way, you might see some really terrific projects as a result. All right. Why don't we take this call here before we yep. have to take a break? Uh, and if you want to call in with a question, 508-996-0500. Good morning. You were on with Mayor Mitchell. Hi. I had a question. Why are all the um, fire departments, like, why did they get closed? I remember they were protesting them a while back. I'm not. Yeah, they they they're not closed. So we consolidated in the south end a few years ago. 
um, two fire stations into what is now um, the South End Public Safety Center, which is the first fire station built in the city since 1956. So, um, yeah, that's that's we haven't been talking about that in a while. Yeah, everything else is is open. Do you know what happened with Station 7? Uh, it's, well, I just drove by it this morning. It didn't look like there's anything awry there. What, what, what did you have in mind? Nope. Okay. I'm going to go to another call here. Uh, yeah, she hung up anyway. Oh. So, uh, I don't, I don't know what that was about. But yeah, I've been over to that South End Public Safety Center. Yeah, it's great. It's, it's a brand new facility. Great facility. It's, it's a really, it's, it's, yeah, it has all the all the features you'd want in a brand new fire station. Looks great. It's been really great for the neighborhood. It's, it's helped stabilize the neighborhood. So it's been it's been a, a big success. I know we've talked in the past too. The plan is to hopefully do that in the future in the north end as well. We'd like to, yeah, we've got to build more fire stations. We've got you know, there are a number of things that we have to build. I think you know, we've, we have to build a uh, a new police headquarters at some point. That's long overdue. I was just over there a couple of days ago and. Was, Reminded that uh, that was Fernandi's supermarket. I'm old enough to remember <laughs> that, um, and that was the building was not meant to be a police station. So police stations are not cheap, and unlike new schools, you, we, we're not eligible for any state funding for new public safety facilities, fire stations, or police stations. So we'd be picking up the entire tab. So, but uh, we, we've been looking at different sites and I think at some point we'd like to be able to start to move forward on that but um, it's not going to happen tomorrow but I think it's but I think I'm confident that we're going to head in that that in the direction of a new fire uh, excuse me uh, police headquarters my favorite anecdote is that uh, Chief Oliveira's father was the manager of that Fernandi supermarket uh, he was. I don't think it was that. I think it was the one in the South End. Uh, oh, you may no, be he, right. He no, can he call told, up. He, he told that, me that, that one same. when I was there. When I was there with him, yeah, I thought it was the. One. I thought it was the the other one in, in the South End. But so maybe I'm wrong on that. I keep meaning to write an I article rem- about I rem- it, but uh, I remember it. You know, I I'm old enough to, and so is uh, so is the chief. We're over, uh, old enough to remember Fernandes. If you don't remember it, Barry just wrote an article the other day. Did he? All yeah. about the history of Fernandes yeah, supermarket. No, I can remember. So. Yeah, we're in the chief's office yesterday, and I was like, right near where the produce section was. I just have this memory of it, and <laughs> <laughs> I can remember. I have the one searing memory I have from Fernandi Supermarket is, uh, you know how sometimes kids, I don't really do it anymore, but sort of ride in the bottom of the shopping carriage, like in the, the like it, like in the main basket part or underneath underneath. That? Oh no, I don't think you can do yeah, that. Yeah, it wasn't anymore. a good idea either because at least in my experience, I remember like in Fernandes in the near the produce aisle, I remember I said, well, I wonder what will happen if I stick my finger in the in, <laughs> in, the, in wheel. the wheel and I got like all chewed up and uh, like you know, they had to bring me in the back and uh, uh put band aids on it and yeah, you know, that's I, that's just like these memories come back, right? So you're, you're Something like that happens is when you're a kid, you remember it. But. I got into a fight with my sister in a Zaire, and I pushed her, and she fell underneath the carriage and, like, got her hand caught in the wheel. Look at that. Yeah. She doesn't let you live it down. No, nope, we, we had to run right to the doctor's office. Let's take one more quick call, and then we'll have to take a break. Uh, good morning. You were on with Mayor Mitchell. Hello. Hey, good morning, guys. Good morning. 
Uh, I'm concerned about uh, buying a, a monthly train pass. Would that be done at City Hall? Or is that done at the station before your board? You can buy a passes weekly or monthly. It won't be done at City Hall when it starts, and it will. But it, look, if people think that would be helpful, we'd certainly be open to facilitating. That's it, it hasn't come up, but but we'll, we'll if we can we can be helpful in that way. We'll certainly try. Uh, I think on the. MBTA, you can buy those monthly passes on the yeah, train itself, but um, but yeah, whatever well, we, we want people to, we want to make it easy on people. If there's a way to, yeah, to well, do I'm it. looking for easy, uh, being handicapped. Um, if, you know, anything's going to be easy, but there, there sounds like there'd be some options. So that's basically what I wanted to hear. Yeah, uh, I mean, whatever people think it would be easy, we'll, if they want to see those things sold out in other places and City Hall, we'd be open to to figuring that out. All right. Thank you for the call. Yeah, Have a good day. Bet, but at least you're thinking of us. Thank you. Yeah, you right. Take it easy. All right, we do have to take a break. We'll be back in just a few moments. More with Mayor Mitchell. And back to the talk with New Bedford Mayor John Mitchell. Before we go back to the calls, I want to ask you, uh, Monday night, the school committee meeting decided to name Andrew O'Leary the interim superintendent. I think universally that's something i know universally with the school committee it was something that everybody was was happy with but i've i've heard nothing but praise for him for years and i think the community is excited to see what he can do even in an interim role yeah i think it, it made a lot of sense for the school committee to appoint andrew he's the number three person in effect in the school district and as we know uh superintendent anderson is moving back home to East Hartford to become the superintendent there, and uh, Karen Treadup, who's the deputy superintendent, is retiring. So there's, there's a certain succession logic to, uh, you know, to uh, having Andrew step forward on an interim basis. We um, and he knows the system very well, um, and so we we just you with these kinds of transitions, whoever ends up being the permanent superintendent after a search is conducted. In the fall, um, that person's gonna. It won't be for another year for that person to come on, and you don't want the school department to slide back. So having an internal interim uh, is, uh, I think, very very useful. Not every place has that option, and we do. So, um, and it's you know the school department right now. There are a number of things going. There's a lot of stuff being built. We've got a lot of federal money. A lot of stuffs getting fixed and built, um, in ways that, and, and to a degree that hasn't happened in at least 20 years, not longer. So that's all good. And then you know, look, we're still the school department is still emerging from the pandemic, and um, it's really just getting its feet underneath it. And I think that's. Um, uh, I think so. It makes it all the more important to have a seamless transition. I think I think Andrew will is, uh, will will prepare himself well to to make that happen. There'll be a couple of months to do a, a handoff between Superintendent Anderson and him, and so um, you know, I, I, I so I, I feel pretty comfortable with uh, with with that. Has Andrew given any indication if he wants the job on a permanent basis? Yeah, well, that time will come. I suspect he will, but um, you know, we want to make sure that a search is is done in the fall. I think that's what uh, folks expect uh, to happen, and uh, and he's yeah, he's 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 at liberty to to do that. Um, and you know, like like he'll he will have an opportunity to work in the district for you know as as interim superintendent for a number of months ahead of time. So I think that'll. 
you know, be a way for the super, for the school committee to evaluate uh, his progress. And so, you know, we wanted everybody to know that we want to do a search, as we've done in the past, and to have a, you know, a, a strong handoff for, for in the meantime. And I think that's um, that's what we're going to get. Uh, I heard I saw comments from uh, school committee member Bruce Oliveira that he wanted to have the school committee have a stronger hand in deciding who the next superintendent will be. Uh, is it going to be the same process as what's happened in the past? Um, I, so most school districts have a search committee that vets the candidates. Um, and the reason for that you can is it has to do with open meeting law. Uh, the if the school if the school School committee. If the school committee does the search itself, right, then you've got the administrative problem of just sort of handling all that's the applications and doing recruitment. We're kind of not set up for that. Um, but the other thing is, it's it, we the applicants have to be disclosed, and so it's that's that might chill the willingness of people to apply. Right, we've all applied for jobs before, and when you apply for lots, probably more often than not, when you apply for a job, you don't want the whole world to know about it and by the way i'll hasten to add i'm not applying for any jobs so don't get to, uh, this isn't coming i'm not he told I'm not, he told me during the I'm break not, he wants to be the street sweeper yeah i want to be the street sweeper. other than that uh, i'm so i'm not projecting here this is nothing not about me but 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 you know like people apply for jobs and when you do that you don't let the world know about it and so having under the open meeting law uh search committees can maintain the confidentiality of the identity of the of, of applicants and so that will lead to tends to lead to a to a broader applicant pool so that's which is what you want all right we do have to take our final break of the hour if we have some time we'll finish it off with some calls we'll be right back with mayor mitchell all right we only